Infirmary Media. Art. People engage to stop a jewel in decades. The Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Jewel in decades. Who culture popping pins, dropping hand grenades. Van Halen locked in Mortal Kombat with David Gray. Found out ballet in sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Jewel in decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York Studios, it's the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history, we just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, and this week we bring you a special triple threat food fight where I will be competing with 1975 alongside these men. First off, dueling with 1987, Say hello to Man Crush. What's up? That's right. I have food of 1987. And before we actually get any further, we've missed something for the last, what, like three weeks now? Yeah. And after we finish recording, every time we're like, we didn't mention it again. So we were actually voted the number 25 podcast in Podcast Magazine's Hot 50. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The Podcast Hot 50. And we just wanted to say thanks to everybody who voted. And, uh, yeah, we finally said it. So there it is. And that's for May. So if you guys want, go over to their website and vote for us for June. Let's, uh, let's get up from 25. Cause it seems like it's us and we're surrounded by like 49 true crime podcasts, <laughs> which is bullshit. But anyhow, yeah, I got food 87. So let's do this. Also joining us on the panel this week is the host of the one headlight nineties podcast. Welcome back to the show. Drew Zachman. How are you guys doing? I have a great year, 1997, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to win. So, <laughs> I want to keep, although I won last time I was on, yeah. so I, I broke that trend, but I, I feel like I'm probably going to get back to my losing ways, and I'm very excited for that. <laughs> and as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So this week's celebrity guest judge for this food fight is an actor, writer, and the host of Eating History, Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. on the History Channel. Please welcome Judge Josh Makuga. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Uh, pleasure to be here. There's nothing more I like than judging people. Um, so really and truly just psyched about it. I will say, um, you know, Drew's year of 1997 might have been the first year I tried what's in this glass, which is a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Oh, snap. Oh, man. To go with eating history, I'm at my in-laws' place in Northern California, and my my father-in-law, who's not a big drinker, said, "I think I've got some weird old drinks in the corner of the garage. Check it out." <laughs> and there was an old thirty-pack of Mike's Hard Lemonade back That's there. That's awesome. So, enjoying that. Now, were you stoked that it was old? Like, how old is it? Oh, this is at least fifteen years old. No problem. Yeah. Wow. No shit. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. No, he's like, I haven't touched that. It was covered in like. You know, he he fixes motorcycles and cars, so it was just covered in rags and stuff. Uh, and it was just a, a <laughs> an old cardboard case of bottles of Mike's Heart lemonade, and there was dust everywhere. And I was like, "When did you get this?" He's like, ah, "I think somebody gave it to me as a gift for a New Year's in like 2000." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and as excited as you get on the on the show, eating history when you guys yeah. find stuff, I can only imagine. You like that must have been like boner territory when you're oh. like, Ooh. and you know, and my wife being like, "Don't touch it, throw it away," and my and I'm like, "What? No, this is perfect." Let me tell you something. Some 15, 20 years later, Mike's Hard Lemonade still puckers that mouth and really makes you feel like you go, need to go to the dentist. But it's fantastic. 
It always made me feel bloated. Like you'd have like two or three and you just felt like garbage. So what you got to do, what I figured out, is that you pour like half the Mike's Hard Lemonade, splash some vodka, add some ice, and then you've kind of got like a, you know, basically a... A totally different drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a carbonated lemonade, basically. Yeah. It actually looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, listen, I can't have more than two of these because like you said, either bloated or literally get cavities in 15 seconds, but it's it still holds up, guys. Don't diss Mike's Hard. Don't diss it. <laughs> That's awesome. You came with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges' coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. All right, duelers, over the teeth and through the gums, it's time for more Dueling Decades. All right, let's go right down to our guest judge, Josh Makuga, for the official toss-off. All right, gentlemen, uh, I don't have a coin I don't. I, I can't tell you the last time I saw a coin other than like missing a penny on the ground. So what I have is a Direct TV remote. Okay, <laughs> that's a first. <laughs> this is this is this will be heads. The number side will be heads. The blank side will be tails. Uh, who wants to call it, or do I call it? Uh, Mark, go ahead. You call Mark. Mark, call it in the air. I'm gonna call heads because it always lands on heads for me when it falls, and then it changes the station. So. It is heads. It is landed heads. All right. So I will take control of the board, and I get to choose the first category here. You know what, gentlemen? I think we're going to start off for this food fight battle with a little bit of food TV. I think that's a good place to start off this game. You're already starting to suck up to the judge here, Mark. Well <laughs> when I think of food and television, I my mind immediately goes to cooking shows. That's what I grew up watching. So I had to go with... Uh, a show that debuted March 19th, 1975. And it gave us, I think, one of the most iconic celebrity chefs that we've ever known. This celebrity chef went on to make iconic meals throughout his uh, show. Who can forget the great episode where he made Japanese cakes? The cake actually tried to fight back, as well as Lobster Thermidor. And then in the middle of it, he was attacked by Lobster Banditos. Yes, of course I am talking about the Swedish chef, Bork, 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 who debuted on the very first episode of The Muppets in 1975. Oddly enough, the pilot episode was called Sex and Violence. Whoever thought that would be a, a Muppets episode. But, you know, the Swedish chef lives on today as one of the most iconic characters. And uh, he was always one of my favorite Muppets. The very first episode in Sex and Violence the program name is Jargen Schwargen Jorgen, which roughly <laughs> translates into Railway Crossing. The whole episode had, of course, Japanese subtitles, so you could understand them. And did you know, little fun fact, the Swedish chef is the only person to ever block one of Miss Piggy's karate chops? He did it in the episode with one of the pot lids. Well done. Very nice. Not easy to do. Yeah. Iconic chef from my childhood. That's what I'm bringing for the first round. Let's go over to Man Crush. What do you got, man? 
Man, that was pretty good, man. I thought you were going to say 1975. I don't have anything. That's what you told me, you <laughs> fucking liar. Sweet All right, so let's, let's continue the trend of sex and violence with uh, August 27th, 1987. Uh, I just said that to Mark, but like being 1987, there were literally no food shows from 1987. Martha Stewart started in 86, so I completely missed that. So I had to go a different route. And since it's been a while since I touched on television com- commercials, we all know how iconic food commercials were in the 80s. So here we have a commercial from Post Natural Raisin Brand. Not exactly the biggest kids product, but it's a pretty popular cereal and it's a commercial that you might remember, right? So let me just get into this whole thing because there's a story behind it. All right. So the commercial feature is none other than John Denver. And John's sitting by like a body of water right next to him is his tent and his dog. And he's surrounded by the Rockies. And then he springs up in his chair just to tell you how much people adore post natural raisin brand over the competition. And then they show you the raisins. This right here, it's the part of the commercial that I remember the most in a scene that predates the matrix. You're presented with two choices in one hand. You got these really nice, plump, clean, dark raisins. And those are from Post, of course. Then in the other hand, you have these nasty looking raisins that are covered with like a white film. They're like half (laughs) the size or like shriveled. Do you guys remember this commercial at all? Yeah, they look just like deer droppings. Yeah, Yeah, it looks horrible. (laughs) I have a picture of it. If you guys never seen it, I'll I'll post it up there so you guys can see it. I'll put it on our Facebook. But this is where it gets good. Because of this commercial, Kellogg's, they followed a $100 million lawsuit against General Foods, which is about a quarter billion dollars in 2020 for misrepresenting the raisins in the breakfast cereals. They charged General Foods that they had improved the appearance of their raisins, that they had cleaned them from all the extraneous materials before they were uh, photographed. And then the the handful of the Kellogg's ones, they said that they did something to them, like they made them dirtier or something. (laughs) You have to see the picture. I'll post it in our Facebook group. They also charged that they inaccurately claimed that the post raisins were natural and unprocessed when the reality is that they were coated with glycerol and coconut oil to make them look more natural. So it was like complete bullshit from all sides of this. And uh, they also said, uh, this is going back to General Foods and Post, that that commercial with John Denver implies that the post raisin brand had less sugar than their competition. But then when you read the boxes side by side, it was the exact same sugar yeah. content. So they're totally full of shit, but here's the best part. So it all comes full circle in 2016 Kellogg's post and general mills. They're all loaded. They were hit with like a few lawsuits over their advertising of quote unquote, healthy cereals. They were actually loaded in sugars. And then in 2019, Kellogg, for one, they ended up having to pay 20 million bucks in that class action lawsuit. And then they had to refrain from these things. So this has legs. It's pretty big. They had to stop using healthy, wholesome, nutritious, and lightly sweetened. So not only do we get that commercial, but it just it just kept going and going and going all the way to fucking 2019. Wow. So that's got legs, my friends. But that's what we have. We have the uh, the post-natural raisin brand. With John Denver and the Matrix hands. That John Denver is full of shit, man. <laughs> I was just going to say that. 
Rocky Mountains my ass. All right, Drew Zachman, over to you. What do you have for the television round? All right. So uh, uh, speaking of sex and violence, uh, in early 1997, <laughs> Emerald Live began production. So uh, later that year, the show won a Cable Ace Award for Best Informational Show of 1997. So I think that qualifies for something. Uh, So his show ran from 97 until 2010. Uh, Basically, the whole kind of premise was uh, Emerald Gossi takes Quick into a whole new level, preparing delicious food with a live band and special guests try the food. And we got the, um, the, the wonderful catchphrases such as BAM, Kick it up a notch, feel the love, and oh yeah, he was in everyone's kitchen in one way or another. And I'll tell you what, he was so popular, my mom actually bought his book and then went, not only did she buy the book, she went to the freaking Barnes and Noble to actually meet him in person and then have him autograph the book. She had like never done that before. I'm like, Paula, what are you doing, lady? (laughs) It's so weird. Um, I don't know. But, uh, and he currently, uh, he has a current show. Uh, called Eat the World with Emerald Lagasse on Amazon Video, which is fantastic, but let's be honest, guys, it's nowhere as awesome as eating history. Oh, Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Man, I didn't suck up well, in mine. I was, I was like, I don't know, Drew's kind of shit. Oh, Drew gets the point. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. All right, so first off, I will say, you're, you're tugging at my heartstrings with the Swedish chef. One of my first, like, first dates in Los Angeles, I met a, bear, a girl at a bar and she was younger than I was, and she had never seen a Muppets, and she went to the Muppets movie with me and didn't like it, so that was out. She was, okay? <laughs> whoa, 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 how young was she that you took her to a Muppets movie? <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> All right, I'm muting you. How do I mute you? <laughs> uh, Mark, so I love that. I also, I've never been to an Ikea and not gotten Swedish meatballs. Yeah. I also, every time I meet somebody from Sweden, which isn't that often, but when I do, <laughs> you better believe I'm going, <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, they do not like that. No. Okay. Uh, as far as man crush goes, my dad ate so much raisin bran, and I'm pretty sure that he was like borderline diabetic at one point in like 1993. And I'm like, dad, it's the raisin bran. He's like, it's healthy. I was like, it's not. It's sugar-coated raisins. Raisins are just sugarified grapes. And then you cut. So we had so many arguments about that cereal in general. We were a big cereal family. And my mom was adamant that we never eat, like, sugar cereal, right? So we were like a Crispix, Cheerios, uh, you know, total special K kind of house. Except for my dad, who somehow got to eat the raisin bran. And it, it was loaded in it. But I will say that John Denver commercial, because 87, I was five years old. That John Denver commercial, I can still see it. Like this little sunset. He's got a yep. gold retriever. Yes. And all of a sudden, it's a, it's a, a cereal commercial. You're like, oh, he's got to start playing some music. Oh, nope. cereal. John Denver got it. Now He's so excited, too. He was like, oh. He's like, look at all this cereal. This is going to be the greatest thing of all time. Uh, Drew, I will say this. My mom uh, went to see Emeril as well at a, at a bookstore <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Emeril Lagasse is to Guy Fieri what, like, you know, a nice evening in with your parents is to doing E, right? It's like <laughs> Emeril Lagasse is what every parent wants their son to turn out to be, like borderline obese, but not quite there yet, sweating <laughs> all the time, but, you know, Mary's a nice girl. 
no parents want their kids to turn into Guy Fieri. Like he he rode a motorcycle yeah. off a cliff and survived, and that's how his facial hair ended. Like that's where <laughs> it is. Emeril Lagasse, uh, when I was shooting a show for Travel Channel, the producer had produced some stuff for Emeril, and he was like, "You got to learn to be like Emeril. Find the camera. Find the camera." Like Emeril found the camera. I was like, "Emeril's been on TV for twenty years. This is my first <laughs> show ever." All right, I'll try and be like Emeril. Here we go. Man, all these have such good memories. I feel like the layup, the layup win would have been Drew's. But because of the information that you hit me and and the everything that came in with that John Denver commercial, point goes to man crush. Point goes to man. Crush. Oh shit. I thought mine was gonna be like the worst. Cause going with a commercial, it's kind of like kissing your sister in this game. But no, yeah. when you do it though, and you get the right commercial, like the last time I did this. It was the 1984 Macintosh commercial. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. These are epic commercials. You gotta you throw them under television. They fit. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you're, let's... you're just hitting a, a personal heartstring with me yelling at my father at like 12 years old. <laughs> like, Dad, stop eating the raisin bread. <laughs> meanwhile, you guys are eating checks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all they, miserable. Multi-grain Cheerios was like the biggest deal in our house. Oh God. Yeah. No wonder you eat old food. Um, <laughs> all right. Let me see. All right, so I got control of the board. Let's go with, let's get out of the way. Let's go hot products. All right. Uh, hot products is one where you'll notice it's either really hot or it's not. Okay. In, in my case, I th- this is a good one for me. All right, so this is 1987. I don't have the exact date from 87, but it was released in 87. I looked it up on their website. Uh, but luckily, in looking for foods that were released in 87, I came across this, and it was something that I really liked as a kid, and it took me back in time, just kind of like Josh, where I was thinking about it, and I remembered all this stuff. But when I was growing up, I, and I realized this doing this episode, I was a much bigger fan of cereal over candy as a kid. Were you guys like, I know Mark was. Oh, yeah. Were you guys like that? When I was younger, for some reason, I had this weird allergy that kind of like trickled out as I got older, but I couldn't eat chocolate until I was like 22 years old. It just like messed with my stomach so bad that it was almost like food poisoning to me. So all I ate was Reese's Pieces. That's the only candy I could eat, Mm. right? So everything else was just a cereal. So I I definitely leaned towards cereal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I don't get what it is, but now like thinking back and reading these articles, I was like, shit, I really loved cereal over candy. Drew, what about you? Were you kind of the same boat or no? Uh, not at all. I, I was definitely more on the candy side, for sure. You're younger. Yeah, you, I like. You didn't grow up straight through the '80s though. Like you were more of a '90s kid, right? Uh, a bit. I was born in '80s, so I mean, I remember. I think one of my favorite memories of candy was like we play baseball, and after every game, you would go to the concession stand, and sure enough, you have to get the Sour Patch Kids. Oh, and yeah. me, me being the little, uh, the little asshole kid that I was, and now I've turned into an asshole adult. Um. <laughs> They were like, it was like one cent per Sour Patch Kid. And so me being like, oh, I, I would like throw down a dollar and be like, count out a hundred lady. So <laughs> they pretty much hated me at the concession stand. I thought you were going to say Big League Chew. Yeah. After Ooh. like that one. Yeah. No, that, Big, League, Big League Chew was, bef- was before and during the game. Sour Patch Kids were after. Do you guys remember, did you guys ever have home run gum? It was gum balls and they, they were you know, yeah. printed like baseball. Oh, yep, yep. Run, triple. Yeah, that was terrible. Yep. That was not great. 
<laughs> Same thing with Big League Chew. The, the flavor lasted like 14 seconds. Yeah, and then it started to taste like rat poison. Not that I know yeah. what rat poison tastes <laughs> like or anything, but, you know. And then you got then you got lockjaw, and then you accidentally swallowed it behind the behind the plate. Yeah, yeah. And then you finished the entire bag before the game was over. Totally. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. That's good. It's just good product. Yeah, maybe a, maybe the flavor lasted a half inning if you were lucky. But if you were I, lucky, yeah, I wised up, and then I think by the time I I hit um red man, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't switch to that. Uh, Babe Ruth, I started going to uh to um seeds. sunflower seeds. Yeah, yeah. so. No more big league chew. Terrible. <sighs> big boy stuff. Anyhow, so like I liked like sweet tarts and Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay. But cereal was my jam. But and I did have some staples for cereal, but my mom would always buy what was on sale. And I know a lot of other people experience the same thing. So if I close my eyes, I can literally picture like almost like Josh's house, but it was a uh, an untouched box of grape nuts. <laughs> That literally was in the cabinet until I moved out in 1996. Yeah. Wow. Never touched. And a matter of fact, that shit was probably still in their cabinet until they moved out like three years ago. Wow. Yeah. So nobody ever touched that shit. And then there was like Donkey Kong cereal that I remember vividly for ripping apart my mouth like I was chewing glass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you guys remember Smurf cereal. It used to make your poop like rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> it was like fruit, but yeah, like fruit roll-ups and Gatorade yeah. do the same fruit shit. Oh, yeah. Did the same thing. My mom used to buy all that crap all the time. But anyhow, let me get to my pick here. So, I didn't have a problem with this one. Uh, it was a, pro- a product that was launched in 1987, and I always preferred my favorite was fruity or cocoa pebbles to Rice Krispies because Rice Krispies by themselves always got soggy, oh, yeah. like way too quick. It's horrible. But in 1987, they added an ingredient that completely made my day. Fruity marshmallow crispies, mm. and there there was just something about the texture of marshmallows in cereal. It's like almost like a water chestnut. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got like this. I've never it's heard weird. it said like that before, but that is effing genius. <laughs> that, that's a, that's what it feels like, and I used to love that. And it had this like the rice krispies themselves didn't really have much of a taste, but when you added these like fruity marshmallows. It had like such a fruity flavor to this. And I think they had grape, uh, orange, raspberry. And I think the other one was lemon. Do you remember? It's sort of like when they added the berry kicks. Do you remember berry yeah. kicks? Yes, oh, berry God, kicks. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Kicks was another one, though, that would chew up the inside of my mouth. Oh. Like all those cereals, they were just fucking shrapnel. Yeah, you were just basically <laughs> trying to chew on a Civil War cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're used to. Which, yeah, I've been but there. Listen, yeah. Listen to how the 80s cereal this was. It had 17 grams of sugar in it, barely any fiber at all. <laughs> and a matter of fact, this is this is like 80s go big or go home mantra right here. The Environmental Nutrition Newsletter from 1989, they called this the worst cereal out of 123 <laughs> kinds of cereal in terms of brand content versus sugar. So the way I read it is that's number one, baby. <laughs> yep. Fruity Marshmallow Krispies... That's my hot product. Wow. There you go. That's how you, that's, if you're trying to like emerge in a new market, like everybody's like, oh, we got to get a new demographic, got a new demographic. Rice Krispies like, watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it lasted till like 98, I think. Then they discontinued it. So that's had a decent run. Decent run. run. Decent run. All right. uh, Who are we going to, Mark? All right. So for my hot products round, I got a candy that, we all grew up loving that was introduced for the very first time for sale 
1975 called Pop Rocks. I'm sure everyone's a little familiar with this. I know, Josh, you guys covered it on your show as well when you guys talked about the space dust. So I went over to our good friends at newspapers.com and I found an interesting article out of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. From uh, February 1975, and it's one of those write-in, ask questions to the journalist, you know, question and answer columns. And it says, can you tell me the ingredients in Pop Rocks? It's a candy that pops and bubbles when you put it in your mouth. Mostly, I'm just curious, but a little concerned that things might blow up in your mouth. (laughs) So it goes on to describe the entire process of making Pop Rocks and how it's produced by the hostess food products over in Cambridge and it's a hard candy much like dozens of others but this one is a little bit different because they inject carbon dioxide gas into it during the manufacturing process so you get that popping and bubbling in your mouth so let's fast forward a little bit to March of 1975 in the Detroit Free Press I found another article It says, my 11-year-old daughter, who attends private school in Windsor, Ontario, buys a kind of candy over there called Pop Rocks. She asked me to buy her some, but but no stores sell it. Is this candy not for sale in the U.S.? And the reply goes on to say, nope, a small supply has already left the Canadian shelves. Matter of fact, Windsor was the test market for Pop Rocks. So February of 1975, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, that's where Pop Rocks first started to come on the scene, and it spread like wildfire. Kids everywhere were looking for this, but since it was just a introductory food product, Hostess wasn't sure if they were going to reintroduce it, and then because of the FDA importing it in the United States, this was a huge problem. Kids everywhere were looking for this new candy called Pop Rocks. So that's my hot product. Drew Zachman, over to you. Wow. I love Pop Rocks. Man. Those things are amazing. You know why they, you know why it left Canada, right? You guys know the story behind that? No, why? Uh, so every time they put it in their mouths, the kids had to apologize about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, eh? <laughs> sorry. So sorry, guys. So oh, sorry. 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 All right. So hot products. I have um I have I have something fantastic. Fantastically mediocre, I would say. Um, I'll tell you what, 97, McDonald's was pretty busy that year. They released a couple products that year. They had the McChicken, the McDouble, and uh, something else with the the Mick in front of it, uh, the McFlurry. So if you don't know what the McFlurry is, folks, the McFlurry consists of whipped soft-serve McDonald's vanilla-flavored ice cream in a cup, and then it has a uh, a specially designed spoon with a like a hole in the handle, which is attached to a uh, like a, like the blender. Uh, various types of candy or cookies are added to the cups. It's kind of like the um, uh, what it's is like it? A blizzard. Yeah, yeah I was to say from from Dairy Queen. Yeah, but it's nowhere near as good. <laughs> it's nowhere near. As I'm, good. I'm not. I'm not selling. I'm not <laughs> selling to, this. Yeah, pick. way to sell your pick. <laughs> <laughs> like this product blows. Don't vote for me. I'm out. <laughs> oh, trust me, it gets better. Uh, McFlurry. Uh, you know the flavors vary obviously from market to market, and they have new flavors introduced regularly. Now the ice cream, you know, like I said, is the it's the same that McDonald's uses for like its cones and sundays and things like that. The ice cream is made from UHT milk, which is ex- which I just was looking this up. It was extended with methyl cellulose, and then CN- CNBC reported that at the beginning of fall of 2016, McDonald's started phasing out artificial flavors from its vanilla ice cream. So that's kind of good. Yeah, who wants that now? 
Yeah, but that's the yeah. problem is that once they started phasing out the artificial stuff, you lost that. I will I will go to my grave saying that the greatest ice cream cone I had was like 1994 at a McDonald's. But go, go on, sorry, Drew. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and one of my favorite uh, review that I saw reads as follows: It says the McFlurry was a quick serve medley of gelatinous, innocuous ice cream that some <laughs> reviewers might consider closer to caulk than dairy. So, wow, the McFlurry closer to closer to cock. <laughs> <laughs> Caulk, caulk. Kind of McDonald's you go to. <laughs> first of all, first of all, that reviewer is like that Yelp Karen. It's just the Yelp Karen. <laughs> Closer to glue that I put on my bathtub. What's that called? Oh, caulk. Yeah, caulk. I've never seen one before, but I'm sure it sucks. Right? Shut up about McDonald's ice cream. Here's the thing, okay? Is you had a bunch of people that were doing the right thing, and then all of a sudden, Everybody's like, oh, well, people are getting sick and stupid. Listen, Morgan Spurlock, genius documentary filmmaker, agreed. But he ruined McDonald's for everybody. Listen, if we want to be fat, we're going to be fat, okay? If you want to enjoy the McDonald's McFlurry because it's delicious, and that McDonald's ice cream was delicious, now it is so plain. It is the most plain ice cream on the planet. But back in the day, when they introduced that McFlurry, I will tell you this much. As a kid who the only fast food restaurant within like a two mile drive of my house was a McDonald's. And that was like the hangout spot after sports games and whatever. I had so many McFlurries. I had so many McFlurries and the weirdest girl in our high school worked at the McDonald's. And I was the only one that was nice to her because I knew that one day it would pay off. Okay. I was nice to her in art class. I was nice to her in like uh, 12th grade or 11th grade physics. She would give me free McFlurries all of the time and hook them up because you need if you're going to do the mcflurry you got to add like triple oreo you got to put all of oh, the yeah. oreos in it right the mcflurry changed the effing game i i get the rice krispies pop rocks was is still a pop phenomenon no pun intended you know i love mcnuggets my meal when i go to mcdonald's is i get a 20 piece mcnugget and mcflurry and all of the buffalo sauce and that's it now, do you dip the nuggets in the McFlurry like some people do with Wendy's fries and their Frosties? I'm only human. You got to dip the nugget occasionally. <laughs> you got to get a little sweet, a little salty. Everybody knows. I don't. When somebody says to me, have you ever seen what a chicken nugget is made? I don't care. I love the nuggets. <laughs> they don't even make them like that anymore. No, they don't. And you know what? Is There's all these urban legends. And, and when we were, you know... Uh, I would love to down the line meet the people that have like the 40 year old hamburger that still looks perfect from McDonald's <laughs> or like, you know, the nuggets that are 20 years old that might still be good. Who knows? I just want to see it. It's like that joke is the movie costs $350 million. I'd rather see $350 million stacked up than watch that movie again. <laughs> Same thing. I don't have to eat the 30 year old nugget. I just want to see it for its perfection. So for that reason would you alone, do it though? would you eat, would you eat it? Would you eat the nugget? You guys, chicken is real tough. Like you, you get botulism almost immediately oh on God, chicken. Yeah. We, one of our producers' sister, um, their grandma used to um, jar chicken noodle soup, and she opened a jar and tried it and got botulism, and is now paralyzed from the waist down on her left side. Like botulism is real, and chicken is like a one. Not only can it give you salmonella when it's raw, when it's cooked, it can kill you with botulism. Chickens. Are so who's coming into the show when you guys are doing stuff like that? Because there's a lot of stuff. When you guys were eating it, my wife watched all the episodes with me and she's a nurse practitioner and she was just like, man, 
I wonder what they looked like afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, that's a good question. Do you guys ever like afterwards, like your stomach gets all bubbly and or whatnot? Cause yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've eaten some stuff on there that I'm just like, Ugh. I mean, you know, because we're eating some of the things we're eating small amounts, some of the things we're eating bigger amounts. Um, you know, I, I would love to do a, you know, knock on wood seasons, two, three, four, five, whatever, do some live shows and give people the backstory. Cause I was doing like a live after show and giving people some funny backstories on my YouTube channel. Uh, but like that cod liver oil guys, oh, that's gross new. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last thing we ate before Christmas break for the show. Right. So I'm in New York and what they didn't show you on the show is because the recommended dosage was three tablespoons. We had three tablespoons. I would say for 48 hours, I couldn't be more than like 10 feet from a toilet. It was, wow. oh my God. Was, and you guys actually liked that one. Well, not liked it. It was like, it tasted it was like Jägermeister. But let's say, guys, it, it, as it says, it aids in digestion. Oh, it aids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Uh, and so is there somebody that's on set with you guys? It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Can't eat that. Multiple times. Smokey's usually the calculated one, and I'm more of the, uh, you know, just jump off the bridge kind of a guy. Um, so we have a medic, we have two food toxicologists, um, you know, there are multiple different people kind of, I'm being like, we can try this. And the guy's like, do not eat that. So, um, you know, we, we, there was a lot, I, I'm telling you guys, we shot, we shot enough for 14 episodes and aired 10. So there's a lot of stuff on a cutting room floor that are either going to be webisodes or maybe, you know, season two or awesome. some kind of release to keep people going until, you know, through pandemic, whatever, but we shot a ton of stuff. So, yeah, they should put the rest of them on. And we love the show. Yeah, Thank fantastic. you. I mean, you know, like every night I would go to bed usually by time, like we finished wrapping up or doing all the stuff from the show. It's yeah. pretty late. Yeah. So like you guys are, your show is already over, but I can pick it up on uh, like DVR yeah. or on uh, VOD. And like, I'll end up watching like three in a row and you know how it like automatically plays the next show. Yeah. I've watched like some of them like multiple times that I didn't even want to. It's just like the remote wasn't close, but I was just like, oh, I'm going to watch this again just to watch you eat a fucking Oreo from three different generations. And I was just like, oh. again, because the government and trans fats and everything, we lost that original Oreo flavor, which if you telling you they should give people the option, just make the animal fat one again, just give them the option. Yeah. So much better back oh, in the day. God, you remember so those... much more. It was like richer. It was better with milk. God, remember those Oreos when you were like nine, like nineteen ninety Oreos. Good yeah. God, oh, so good. <laughs> then they had it. They had to get healthy. Give me a break. It's a fuck. It's a cookie. Yeah. And here's the crazy part: what you didn't realize watching the show is the Hydrox was invented first. Yeah, yeah. that's I crazy. I didn't realize that either. Right. Yeah. All right, Drew. Congrats on your points. Congrats. Yeah, Drew got it. All right. Ooh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> See, McFlurry. I knew it. I knew it all along. Just, <laughs> it's it's closer to cock than dairy. <laughs> <laughs> You're due, Mark. You're due. <laughs> all right. So let uh let me do this. Right. Last single point round, Drew. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to strategize here, folks. All right. So I'm going to go with the the news, food news. So uh, hot off, hot off the heels, like right on the heels of the uh, the phenomenal series from ESPN about Michael Jordan. I mean, that was so good. I, I love watching that. 1997 was phenomenal, but 
what I'm talking about specifically, it's the flu game from Michael Jordan. Now, what this call it was called the flu game, but as we have found out, turns out it might have been bad pizza that caused Jordan to be sick during the uh, 97 NBA finals. And if I'm not mistaken, um, they had like a handful of people actually deliver the pizza. There's, I don't think they've actually confirmed like what exactly happened, but I think there was like five or so uh, like people that delivered the pizza to him. Leave it is... up to Utah guys. Leave it up to Utah. <laughs> That's a red flag right there. Um, well, it's a red flag getting pizza in Utah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what, what I was at. Vernon Maxwell was talking about that too. He was like, uh, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know, but he ate the entire pie and uh, he needed an IV of fluid before the game. And uh, yeah, he wound up playing like 44 minutes in that game and he scored 38 points and the Bulls wound up winning. But what was crazy is the game was tied at 85. Then with 25 seconds left, Jordan hits a three. To pull uh, to put the Bulls up eighty eight to eighty five, and they would eventually wrap up the win ninety to eighty eight, uh, and that win was huge because it put the Bulls in the driver's seat in the series, three games to two, and then they would wind up winning the next game, uh, winning the series. So it, it, it's just crazy. I mean, it just goes to the the legend of Michael Jordan. You know, he was. I mean, I can't. You know, I mean, now I'm at. An, I mean, I'm also like old, and Jordan was. You know, when he played that game, but. If I have like a couple beers too many, like that next day, I'm pretty much useless. So, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. Or a professional athlete. Well, that's it. Um, <laughs> it, was all, it was all that big league chew, man. It did me in. Um, but so Jordan played the second most points on the, on the Bulls. Pippen had 45 minutes, nine seconds. Jordan was on the floor for 44 minutes and 17 seconds. So he, he wasn't phoning it in. Um, but, yeah, it was just crazy. I, I remember watching that game when it happened. Uh, it was just nuts. And Eric kept talking about like how he had the flu or whatever, but turns out it was uh, apparently a bad pizza. So wow. don't eat pizza in Utah, oh. kids. Drew throwing that out. All right. All right. So for my news offering, you know, we're going to go back to newspapers.com. I found a news article in the Odessa American dated November 13th, 1975. And this one is in, an, in a section of the newspaper called Career Corner. Somebody writes in, Dear Joyce, I have been working in an office and I'm bored. There must be some unusual job that I could get. Anybody have any ideas? So Joyce goes on to list all of these careers that people have started. You know, there's a lady in uh, Seattle who's 61 years old who will climb a tree and get a cat out. There was another gentleman here, a Mr. Slim Goodbody, who would uh, wear tights that had the body printed all over it. And you could kind of see where all the organs were. I'm sure you guys remember him. He was on Captain Kangaroo for years. But then there's this little blurb here. It says, a former talent agent living in Los Angeles has turned his flair for promotion into a thriving business. Famous Wally Amos is now a chocolate chip cookie pusher. A sort of Colonel Sanders for chocolate chip cookies, Amos says. His cookie shop on Sunset Boulevard is grossing about $20,000 a month, and he plans to expand deeper into Girl Scout territory. So, of course, this is the start of Famous Amos, one wow. of the most famous cookie companies ever. March 10th, 1975, Wally Amos took the advice of some of his friends, got a loan for $25,000 from singer Marvin Gaye and Helen Reddy, and opened up a store in Sunset Boulevard. In the first year alone, he sold $300,000 worth of cookies. 
followed Damn. by more than a million in sales the second year. By 1982, the company's revenue had soared to $12 million. Damn. He took on some partners. The company has been sold a few times. But Famous Amos, his legacy lives on in some fantastic cookies that I'm sure aren't as fantastic today as they were in 1975. <laughs> as somebody who lives in Los Angeles, if you're not opening a vegan cookie stand where you lose weight by eating the cookies, man, that's a tough sell. But in 75, who knew? Damn, that's good. All right, Man Crush, what do you got for the news round? All right, so I had a lot of news stories to go with here, but they were in 87, they were very technical, in-depth. I didn't want to touch any of them. There was one about kids getting obese with foods and i just felt like that was like a never-ending story it's just you know it probably went on before 87 and it's still going on so i ended up not going with that <clears throat> and i found this one at the last minute and i stuck with it because it's uh it's something that i liked and what i did was without knowing it like everyone on, on our facebook page helped me select this as a news story there was a particular commercial for this snack, and I like I blatantly remembered it. I tracked it down, and lo and behold, it's from 1987. So I posted it to our Facebook, and it's been watched over 10,000 times in the last like two days. Damn, it's been shared 80 times. Bunch of comments. Here's some of the comments on it. Um, I still eat these. I love these. Oh my god, what happened to these? Haven't seen this in a while. Love these bars. Still eat them. So good. Like people just going on and on about how, how much they like these. So I was like, all right, let's go with this. Thank you, Facebook fans. Almost 46,000 now. We're getting Thank there. you very we're much for there. doing Thank that. you. Guys. Yeah, we're getting there. Almost to the 50,000 mark. I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting, but it's, it's like slowing down. Like Facebook lets us get a yeah. thousand and then we slow down for a month. They're always fucking us. But anyhow, this particular candy was introduced in 1978, which happens to be the year I was born. So this pick was meant to be all right but up until 1987 this candy bar consisted of a peanut flavored crisp with a thin layer of peanut butter and it was coated with a thin layer of chocolate okay that is until 1987 and this is where the story is because in 1987 hershey decided they were going to change the ingredients and what they did was they had this it consisted of a peanut flavored crisp peanut butter flavoring and a new thin layer of caramel. And of course, it's still coated with a thin layer of chocolate. Before you guys guess what this is, let me just play you the commercial. Even commercials were better back then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, that commercial it's is so epic. Jingle. It's a good jingle. As soon as I threw that up there and I heard the jingle again, everyone is welcome because that's going to get stuck in your head for at least a day. Yeah. You're just going to be like, ah, watch him. <laughs> but this is uh, in 1987. They changed the, uh, the whole ingredients. And Josh, I noticed like when you guys did the show, like we were just talking about with the Oreos, how they changed from the animal lard to the, like the all natural, like vegetable, whatever shortening. Yeah. How many things do you guys come across? where it's completely changed at one point and it like completely ruins or makes better. Oh dude, it happens all of the time. I think that the, you know, one of the, the more surprising thing is how many times Doritos has kind of changed flavors from their, like the original nacho cheese 
to try again, like the trans fats things have changed things all over the place. Um, there's so many different products that have what you notice too, is as the years go on, less and less sodium is put in products, right? Yeah. Like those 1970s Pringles, those first generation Pringles we had, which is my favorite thing we tried on the show were so salty. I mean, they were, it was just a, a chip of sodium. So like, as you go through, so a lot of those companies were always just trying to stay within like guidelines and also people that are trying to stay healthy to use it as a snack. And as we've gone on, which is a good thing, I think our tolerance for sodium has gone down and down and down, down. as before. Yeah, like there was sure. so much sodium and stuff. So I don't necessarily remember when they changed the ingredients to whatchamacallit, but God, do I remember that song? Holy cow. <laughs> whatchamacallit. Whatchamacallit. <laughs> All right. Well, let's toss it down to our judge, Josh Makuga, for the ruling for the news round. Okay. So whatchamacallit. I feel like was that like really rich kid candy. I know that doesn't like that shouldn't be like <laughs> that that was the kind of candy where like the cool kid in school was like, Yeah, I gotta watch him a call it. I'm like, oh man, my mom still makes me eat Snickers or something like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely like a bougie candy. That was the candy that Mike T V got, not Charlie. No, 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 no. <laughs> Mike TV was repping whatchamacallit. As soon as they put him back to normal size, it was Mike. All right. Everybody had really good arguments, all really good information. But I, and I'm, I'm not doing this to go one, one, one to go into the two point round, but I feel like Mark just really gave me some, like some really 70s nostalgia, of just perfection. Like I, I can see it. I was, yeah, really well done, Mark. Well done. Thank you. All right. Yeah. So that makes the game all tied up at one apiece, heading into the two-point rounds. You know, gentlemen, I think it's time to do some music. Let's go over to the music round. All right. So for my selection, you know, I looked for songs that had food in the titles or in the names. You know, I think that's the way to go when you talk about food and music, unless you happen to have like a, a Weird Al album or something. So yeah. 1975, we got the release of a double album that actually has not one, but two food-related songs on it. This album actually went 16 times platinum. And oddly enough, it's not even the best-selling album by this band. You might recognize some of the songs on this album. Uh, let's see. Let's go through with uh, the opening track, which is actually a food-related song called Custard Pie. And then uh, we're going to go on to Kashmir, Houses of the Holy, The Rover, In My Time of Dying, and another food-related song, the Wonton Song. Of course, I am talking about the epic album Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti. It's one of the great all-time albums in rock. It's one of my all-time favorite albums. My favorite Led Zeppelin song is on here called The Rover. It comes right after Custard Pie. It's fantastic. Of course, Custard Pie, Wonton Song, the two food-related songs on this album are kind of euphemisms. They could stand for other things that you may want to eat, but not necessarily custard or wontons. <laughs> so use your imagination on that one, knowing the guys in Led Zeppelin. If you look at some of the listings, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame put it in the definitive top 200. All Music in Billboard ranked it at number three in all-time pop catalog. Classic Rock Magazine put it at number five of the 100 greatest rock albums of all time. So that's what I'm bringing. Physical Graffiti, Led Zeppelin. Rarely do you have wontons and custard pie in the same meal, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. 
All right, toss over to Man Crush. What do you got, man? I like how we both littered our social media with our picks this week. Yes. <laughs> like trying to slip it underneath each other, like not telling each other what they are and just yeah. fucking posting we, we it. We posted up today this uh, image with all the different Led Zeppelin albums, well, six different ones, and had people pick. Really surprised by the love that came out for Physical Graffiti. People really like this album. Two people actually commented none. None. Which I fucking love. <laughs> I love it when you put up six choices and someone has to tell you that they don't like any of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody gives a shit that you don't like them. If you don't like them, don't say anything. Yeah, one person replied none. So I replied to that with a gift from the Rocky Horror Picture Show where he says, and that's what you shall receive in abundance. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Everybody likes at least one Led Zeppelin album. I don't care oh, yeah. who you are. Those people are liars. That's you're, it's, you're just you're lying to yourself. Yeah, you're just looking for a reaction. Yeah, we get it. We get we it. We get it. We get it. All right, man, crush over to you. All right. So we're going to go July 21st, 1987. And it's time to fill your cravings with some iconic hard rock, just like Mark just did. I had to go with this particular debut album because it surprisingly is never turned up on an episode of Dueling Decades. And frankly, it's about time it did. If everything went as planned, though, for this band, I would have never had this pick because this debut album was initially set to be released in 1985. But the original guitarist, Tracy Guns, he ended up leaving the band to go back to his original band. Yet, ultimately, half of his band, this band's name derives from the band he left for, if that makes any sense. I'll get into it so you understand. Uh, but that said, had he stayed, this band would not have found the, one of the best guitarists in the world to take his spot. So there you have that. So uh, this album, Mark's went 16 times platinum. This one went 18 times platinum. <laughs> it topped the U.S. Billboard 200. Uh, it stayed on the charts for a staggering 147 weeks. Uh, went on to sell over 30 million copies worldwide. Featured five singles, including the band's only number one hit ever. Uh, had two other singles that made it to number five and number seven, respectively. The album... Like, if you listen to this album, the entire thing feels like a single because you can't stop. You can listen from 1 to 11 like nothing. You know, it's like a solid hour. You listen to it. Every song is good. But the album itself, when you think about how many albums they sold with this, the original album cover featured a robotic rapist on the front cover. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was originally on the front. And then Geffen decided because people complained they put that artwork on the inside. And that's actually the copy that I owned as a fucking nine-year-old. Great parenting, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my parents didn't give a shit. My parents wouldn't let me eat sugar cereal, but we bought this album. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whatever. I th matter of fact, I think my mom got me the cassette for my birthday. Yeah. It, it might have been in 88 that I got it, though. So maybe I was 10. Uh, but here we have the all-time classic, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. And one of the other reasons I picked this, and I, I did it because I found out today that the concert that I was supposed to see in July, which was Guns N' Roses and Smashing Pumpkins, has been postponed. Uh, I was just notified uh, early this morning, so I am completely bummed. I did get to see Guns N' Roses a couple years back when they were at MetLife, so that was cool. But I wanted to see Smashing Pumpkins this time around, and so who knows if this shit's ever going to happen. Let me but, ask uh, you a question. I'm going to see if I can guess it. Was Sweet Child of Mine the number one? Yes. And then what? Welcome to the Jungle was probably five. 
Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City probably were the other yeah. two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. the other, like, Night Train was a single. I mean, like, Night there's a Train couple was that. A single? Yeah. They weren't, like, huge. You know, it was, like, a single later on in 89. Mr. Yeah. Brownstone. Right. Yeah. But the entire album, like, you can just listen to that whole thing. Totally. My favorite songs aren't even single. Like, Rocket Queen, like, all the songs I like aren't even singles. I mean, they had to have toured with that album, played straight through, and people probably saw them 15 times. Oh, absolutely. You know? And then in 87, they were op- wasn't that the year they were opening for Metallica? Yeah, when they destroyed Montreal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was, a cool, that was one of those behind the musics that was awesome. That was oh, an yeah. Awesome behind the music. And, then, and then they went to St. Louis. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and incited a riot. Like, my brother and I always talk about how, like, appetite was perfect. And if you combined Usual Illusion 1 and 2, you could have, like, the five best songs from 1 and the five best songs from 2 would have yep. made one appetite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I never, like, I even liked Patience and Lies. I thought there yeah. were redeeming songs on all of them. Even Chinese Democracy was good. At that point, you had to do a monster ballad. Like, every music label was saying, all right, you can do as much hard rock as you want, but you got to get something for the girls. And they were like, all right, we got it. No problem. Easy. Patience. We got you. Yep. Yeah. Patience was a great song, too. It's a great song. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Patience at all. And then they covered um, a Manson song. I think that was on Lies. That was on uh, Spaghetti Incident. Spaghetti, Spaghetti Incident, Incident, rather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Since I Don't Have You is on that, too, which is, I mean, it's a cover, but it's a, I think it's a great cover. Yeah. But they were they were awesome live. Like, it was three years ago, I think we saw them. They were fantastic. I was shocked that Axel... His voice held up for the whole thing, and it was good. I missed them when they came to Dodger Stadium, and I'm still really bummed that I did. Yeah, lots of food-related content from Guns N' Roses. You had Appetite. 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 The Spaghetti spaghetti Incident. Chinese Democracy. I mean, come on. (laughs) It's all about the food. Wet (laughs) market. All right, Drew Zachman, what do you got for the music round? Uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, but seriously though, I mean, Mark, what's what your album went platinum, what, 16 times, 16 times in the United States alone. Oh, that's so, that's adorable. Uh, man crush years went what? 18 times platinum. 18. Yep. In the United States, this album that I have went platinum 45 million times platinum (laughs) in the world. So of course, you know what I'm talking about? Chumba Wumba. Close, uh, kind of close. I'm talking about the soundtrack to the classic movie which everybody has seen is this movie raked in more money than Titanic twice soul food, the soundtrack to soul food, which was, well, I don't know why everybody's laughing because this huge movie was a classic flick and the soundtrack. I still listen to it to this day. I'm waiting to exhale right now, man. I'm waiting to exhale. I listened to the, I listened to the soundtrack this morning. I was on the treadmill and I was going to, I was like, you know what? Let me just do 25 minutes before my conference calls. But then, you know what? I had to postpone my calls because I was listening to the Soul Food soundtrack. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be on the treadmill for all 56 minutes. I had to do it. I couldn't stop. Can you name one song on the Soul Food soundtrack or a song that we know? Are you kidding me? I- I'll name you four. <laughs> I will name oh, you four. Shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's they right. They kind of all blend together like one single. <laughs> well, it's it's just perfection. It's 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 audio perfection. <laughs> There's the poster, guys. There's soul food for you. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. See, and as you can, as you can see, it stars the wonderful and talented Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Viv- Williams. Vivica A. Fox is in it. Nia Long, Michael Beach, Mackay Pfeiffer. 
Uh, it was the the movie was produced by Babyface. So I was going to say, I see down here, executive producer Kenneth Babyface Edmonds. Baby. That's right. That's right. Don't call me Kenny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the soundtrack was a monster success. It peaked number four on the Billboard 200, number one, number one on the top R&B hip hop albums chart and was certified, <laughs> like I said, seven billion times platinum. I forgot to carry the six there the first time around I mentioned it. It had four singles. Make it to the Billboard Hot 100. And, I, and Man Crush, here's your song titles, buddy. I Care About You, What About Us, We're Not Making Love No More, and A Song for Mama. They made it to 23, 16, 13, and 7 on the chart, respectively. On the R&B chart or on the Hot Hot 100? Gospel. What was that? <laughs> the Billboard Hot, Billboard Hot 100. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> what chart? What other chart is there? That's the chart. Well, that's the only one that matters, but there's a lot of charts. This That's entire true. time, I haven't seen passion like this from Drew. <laughs> I mean, I, it's been an hour of this show, and Drew, your passion is finally coming through in soul food. Yeah, okay? that's right. That's right. Yeah. Drew waits for he waits for the two point rounds. I He's fly under the radar for three yeah, rounds. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. he he was having he was just like you know kind of John Stockton throwing out some assists, and then all of a sudden he caramelizes us. Oh, with, with soul food, soul food of all. Why just I don't know why you said it like that, man crush. Soul food. I mean, it's good shit. Soul food. Yeah. So anyway, soul food. The soundtrack. You're welcome, kids. All right. Well, let's hear what Josh Makuga, our celebrity guest judge, has to say for the first two point round. All right, so if I vote against Led Zeppelin, one of my best friends in high school will, would murder me. If I vote against Guns N' Roses' appetite for the destruction, my entire, like my brother and most of my friends will. But what I was just handed with soul food <laughs> cannot go underappreciated, Okay. And spoiler alert, in season two of Eating History, we'll be doing an entire soul episode. <laughs> Ty Pfeiffer will be there. Vanessa oh. Williams will be there. Nia Long will be there. And of course, Michael Beach will be there. Yep. And you're goddamn right. We're going to go into every single song, one after the other. So I, you know what? It's, it's, it's really a shame that we never had a soul food, soul plane crossover. That we didn't oh. have. It's coming. Can you imagine that? Right? Like, do you remember a few years ago when those Sony email, that email hack le uh, leaked? Yep, yep. And they were trying to merge Men in Black and uh, 21 Jump Street and oh, call it God, Men in Black awful. 21 or something like yeah. that. Right? <laughs> this would be the ultimate leak of Soul Food and Soul Plane getting together, right? And then you get Soul Brother, which is the most offensive movie holding up to this day. You get Anthony Michael Hall in there, and all of a sudden we've got a franchise goat picture. Yep. Listen, we should we should flesh this out. We'll make another Zoom meeting. Yes. To, uh, to let's, lay that. Let's all really out. flesh this out for the uh, the soul the soul shared universe. Um, <laughs> That's what everyone's been dying for. Yes, guys. You know, I've been looking at this show the whole wrong way. Here I thought it was about quality and legendariness, <laughs> but really and truly, on what show are you going to battle soul food against Led Zeppelin against Guns N' Roses? <laughs> I got to give Drew the points. I got to give Drew the points. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Drew's like, son of a bitch. Yeah. No, I, I knew all along. I had it in the bag. Yeah, I mean, well, it sold 650 million copies. It didn't matter what you named. You could have said Appetite. You could have said 
uh, Dirt from jo- uh, Alice in Chains. You could have said anything. It wouldn't have mattered. I will beat your album with Soul Food. <laughs> the soundtrack. The, so- the soundtrack. Good. Correct. <laughs> the soundtrack. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I hope you brought the movie for the movies round. That's all I'm... So I didn't uh, <laughs> change it up a little bit. We, you don't want to go back to the well because I don't want to win every round. That's you know. But Listen. I mean, Boys to Men's on the soundtrack. Jay Z, Missy Elliott, Drew Hill, CeeLo Green, Tony, Tony, Tony. Right? Every yeah. low song. Yeah, it feels good. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Really, truly was Tony, Tony, Tone. But yeah. <laughs> correct. But the but the e. accent the accent was over the e. I think. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. yeah, it was over the e. You're now, right. You you're talk right. about hot products. Now, you remember what all your local VHS rental stores back in the day all used to get promo merchandise to promote the movies so they could display them in the store? Yep. I actually took home one day a promo piece of merchandise from the movie Soul Food. Yeah, you did. They did. I did. And they came out with Soul Food potholders. I shit you not. Yeah. Do you still have it? No, I don't. (laughs) I I used that thing until it fell apart. Do, Do you remember, like, the... The, the golden age, because I feel like that age, like 97 soul food, like up until maybe 99 was like that golden age of movie soundtracks where you bought, like I, my, the one that I still have on CD at my parents' house is the Wayne's World soundtrack. That is an oh, incredible so good. soundtrack. That and Days and Confused were incredible. Oh, yeah. oh that's a good Singles. One. Yeah. Singles is amazing. Yeah. You should go to our Facebook because we do that a lot. Matter of fact, like when we do, um, those are actually very popular. When we do the soundtracks from the 90s, Yeah, people go off. Like the Crow soundtrack. You yeah. got uh, Judgment Night. Uh, Boogie Nights. What, La- Last Boogie Action Night. Hero. Yeah. Last Action yeah. Hero. Yeah. Last Action like, Hero. Uh, Terminator so 2 had the Guns N' Roses song on it. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. And a lot of those, the, the soundtrack was better than the movie a lot of the time. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Especially yeah. towards the end of the 90s because the movies got... The budgets were astronomical, and the movies just got shitty. But yeah. their soundtracks were spot well, they were, on. They could, I mean, the, the movie Forrest Gump was a double CD of some incredible. Oh, music. it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, Clerks. I had a good one. Yeah, I did. Oh, um, yeah. I, did a good one. Yeah. I did. I think I wound up spending like two episodes covering the. I like wound up ranking the best '90s soundtracks. But well, yeah, e- everything you guys mentioned was on there, and yeah. yeah. Crazy. I feel like my, I had like a, a classic rock awakening with Days of Confused, Wayne's World, and Forrest Gump. Those three soundtracks yeah. um, really kind of like put me on to classic rock because my parents were big uh, Motown people. So a lot of like the Motown stuff uh, is what I grew up on. And then those classic rock soundtracks kind of blew my mind. And then I will tell you guys what, you know what is an incredible soundtrack is Vision Quest. Vision Quest, because it's mostly Journey. It's just Journey basically doing the entire yep. soundtrack. It's awesome. I never really got into Vision Quest, the movie, except for the part where he runs in and does the pegboard. Pegboard, and he bleeds from his nose. Yeah. <laughs> and then I tried to do it for an entire summer, and I could just never <laughs> see so If hard. you've never seen the movie, that scene sounds way dirtier than it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> when I explain that movie to people, they're like, is it good? I was like, oh, shut up. Go watch the movie. <laughs> yes. You like high school wrestling? Do you like high school wrestling, a weird romance, and journey? You're in. <laughs> Such a classic. Yeah. Pegboards. All right, Drew Zachman, heading into the final round. You got the lead, and we're going to movies. Uh, do I switch my pick? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with what we have here, and uh, I will 
read it as thusly. Uh, welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? So yeah, buddy. Good Burger came out on July 25th in the good year, 1997. Released by Paramount Pictures, and it was based on the comedy sketch of the same name on a Nickelodeon series. All that. Yeah. Keenan and Kel, man. Uh, this, the skit, the, the, the regular show was always great. The movie was, you know, uh, I don't know. I felt like I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it was just a fun movie. I feel like when I, if I come across it now, I watch it. You get a little nostalgic. Um, but also, I mean, dude, I love Keenan. I love Keenan Thompson. He's like one of my favorite people on TV. He's so good. Uh, yeah. This, I feel like this kind of helped, you know, really, uh, I think uh, Good Burger in general got him on the map. Uh, ob- obviously, D2, Mighty Docs. Um, knuckle Puck. Knuckle Puck, baby. Yeah, that um, that helped. But that was in 94, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a couple years before this one. But Knuckle Puck, everybody, everybody tried it. Um, I don't even think it worked. But it um, no. <laughs> um, Total farce. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, had an $8.5 million budget. Uh, it pulled in a box office of 23.7, so a pretty, yeah. pretty decent little okay. investment there, yeah. And uh, <laughs> one, little, one little tidbit, uh, the music was actually done not by the people who did Soul Food, um, but it was done by Stuart Copeland. So Wow, really? Yeah, who knew? Holy so, shit. <laughs> see? Why did he do Good Burger? Money. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> There's why your do, answer. Why do we do anything, Mad Crush? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was probably just a big fan of D2, and he's like, you know, I'm going to keep working with this Keenan guy. I, I, you know what? I'm with you on that one. Stuart Copeland saw it. He saw it. He saw a good burger. Yeah. I just, I never liked that movie. Wow. I don't, like, I don't know. I, you know what? Like, I think we're a couple years apart. You know, like, I'm a little bit, I'm a couple years older than you are. And that what was at 97 ish, 96, yeah. 97. So I was already a senior in high school. So I never got into the humor of that show. And I just never could. I watched that movie. I just couldn't do it. Good Burger was I was I was born in 82. So Good Burger was like the tail end of my Nickelodeon, you know? Yeah. See, I think, Drew, you're 80, right? 80. Yeah. So, yeah, same yeah, thing. And tail end. And then when I saw the movie, I was like. All right, I'll I'll check it out, and it was it was yeah. fun, you know. One of those yeah. things where you kind of like your expectations are kind of around here, not as well, high yeah. as Soul Food, obviously, well, but we're <laughs> here. Uh, but and, and and you and you you get what you what you expect, and it's and it's 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 fine. Wow, all this good burger talk. Nobody has mentioned the legendary Abe Vigoda yet. Come on, Abe Vigoda. Yeah, that's right. Abe was in there. Yep, he was. You're right. Well done. I, I until I was like nineteen, I thought Abe Vigoda was fake. I just thought <laughs> <laughs> he's not living. He's not. It's just a yeah. It's an idea. He, he's like a living weekend of Bernie's. Like, yeah. He's just like there. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of the brother from uh, I forgot. I forgot his actual name, but from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett. Yeah, Brad yeah. Garrett. Raymond. His character. <laughs> yeah, he sleeps with the fishes now, I hear. <laughs> All right, why don't we go over to Man Crush for the movies round? All right, so somebody already actually mentioned this movie without even knowing what this movie is going to be. Uh, I won't say who it was, but they did. Uh, June 26, 1987. I just rewatched it last night for the first time in years, and it's really amazing, especially the first half depiction of boot camp in this movie, especially... Being a Marine myself, I noticed this last night. It had been a long time since I watched this, but the barracks that they're in 
I was like, man, that looks so familiar. And then they're carrying the guide on and they're in uh, 3092 was the uh, the platoon that they're in. I was in 3060. So I was like, no shit. They're in the same barracks that I was in. Wow. Now, I don't know. Like the only difference I noticed in this movie, their barracks or their head, as we call it, they had no stall door or no walls on the toilets. So it was just uh, open, you know, you take a shit out in the open. They didn't change much in 2003 when I was there. They added <laughs> stalls on each side, but there were no doors in the front. Yeah, that's a frat move. Yeah. So, yeah <laughs> nothing nothing like, you know, taking a shit, you know, while, uh, or I've told these guys before, you come back from PT and there was like 60 guys in our platoon and they would jam. There was no urinals. It was just like toilets. So they would put like five dudes at a toilet to take a piss simultaneously. Wow. Standing around each other. You're like, what the? F- Sorry, man. I didn't mean to piss on your boot. You know, like. Don't ask. Don't tell. I'll tell you, man. You haven't lived until you've taken a shit while staring into another man's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you're facing the wall. So you yeah. don't you don't have to stare at them. But no, no. In our fraternity, we had stalls, but no doors. And there was nothing worse than like going in to brush your teeth and one of your buddies just taking a deuce. It was like, like, how you doing? He's like, ah, good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Stop talking while you're shit. Yeah. But yeah, so nothing changed. Between 1987 and 2003, the only thing they added were those uh the stall doors or the sides whatever the fuck you want to call it dividers uh but this uh stanley cooper classic it brought in 120 million dollars at the box office you're looking about around 270 million dollars in 2020 yeah huge it won an oscar for best screenplay it's based off the novel short timers and it features it has gunny emery in it i mean his performance alone should win this round it's so spot on and i'm dead serious especially like I was in boot camp in 2003, so they couldn't punch you in the stomach or do anything like that. The big thing was just it was mental. They're yelling at you all the time. And we had this conversation because, again, I posted this last night in our Facebook group just to see like what people thought of it and whatnot. And some other dude was in the Marines and we were going back and forth. That is exactly how drill instructors are. They're the funniest motherfuckers (laughs) in the world. Like if they're not yelling at you. It's the funniest shit ever, <laughs> ever. And you have to keep your bearing to like not laugh. And if they catch you laughing, like in the movie with like Gomer Pyle is like, get the smile off your face. That shit happens. And it's fucking crazy. Um, but anyhow, everyone knows that this is full metal jackup. What's the food tie in? So here's a shitty boot camp story. Everyone knows the scene. And this is the tie in where Gomer Pyle, he gets caught with a jelly donut in his foot locker Everyone knows it. Iconic scene. What the fuck is this? You know, like, well, when I was in boot camp, we had our own Gomer pile. And I think every platoon has a Gomer pile. You have one or you have several. This particular story wasn't our Gomer pile, but it was another group, which they call the fat bodies. He was one of the fat bodies. Okay. So on this occasion, we just got back to the barracks. They sent us to church. All right. So every Sunday you go to church. Regardless if you're Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, it doesn't matter. They're sending you all the Catholic church because they don't want to make multiple trips. So they ask you, where are you going? I remember there was this guy, Baron, in our platoon who was Jewish. He came with us. He would <laughs> sing the fucking songs because it was like the only time during boot camp where you had an hour to just like 
nobody was fucking with you. Right. But when you got back, usually it was like you field aid, which means you clean the shit out of the barracks like nonstop with like toothbrushes, like insane shit. This one time we got back and I forgot what hair was up their ass, but they ended up like getting on everybody's shit. As soon as we got back, like we walked too slow back into the building, something. So they took everybody's footlocker. They made us unlock the footlockers. And then one at a time, they just went through and flipped the fucking, uh, the, all the footlockers over. Okay. So what you need to know is like when you normally just flip a, a footlocker upside down, shit falls out, but it's somewhat near you, right? Not when DIs do it. When DIs do it, it's a little different. All right. So like we're on the catwalk, which is right in the middle, all the shit's thrown all over the place. And there was a paper towel. It was about this big. I could still picture it to this day. It's like wrapped up. And all of us, every swinging dick in that squad bay knew that there was food in that paper towel, but nobody can get to it fast enough. And one of the DIs, this guy, Staff Sergeant Botan, he just saw it and he marches over to it, opens it, six fucking chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so he's like, we all knew it was this one dude. I'm not going to say his name on here. He's on my Facebook. He knows who he is. Mark James. What? (laughs) (laughs) So he actually, this guy ended up being a cook in my battalion, which is funny. Um, But everyone knew that it was him. But he's like, whose are these? Nobody's like confessing to it or whatever. So these guys, he just nonchalantly gets the other DIs. They come out with these like push brooms that are about this big. And they just start sweeping all of our shit that they just dumped on the floor all over the the freaking barracks, all over the squad bay. So if you're on one side where you live, where your rack is, now your shit is probably like all the way on the opposite end of the squad bay. So at this point, they they look at everybody and they go, okay, you got two minutes, get all of your shit and we're get back online. So you just went and grabbed anything. So you wanted like six skivvy shirts, six shorts, you know, six underwear, whatever, and boots, all right? So this is where the story's fucked up. All because of this set of cookies, this was probably like, you lose track of time. It's almost like the uh, getting locked up at home like we are now. Like, I don't know what day it is. Every day's Uh, Thursday. Yeah, I don't know what day it is. So, like, this is like the middle of boot camp somewhere. We probably had like eight weeks left. I wear a size 11 shoe for the rest of boot camp. Like, the last six weeks, I wore a nine and a half on my right foot. (laughs) No way. Yeah. And the way that that they had it, they have this thing called uh, Senior Drill Instructor Square Away Time. Which I guess in other battalions is where you guys get to talk. Yeah. No, there's no fucking talking in 3rd Battalion with our senior. So, like, it wasn't like you can go to somebody else in the squad bay and be like, yo, you guys size 11? Yeah. That shit didn't happen. You just got fucked the entire time. And I got fucked over a, a thing of six cookies. Ugh. Wow. Man. Thanks a lot, bro. Thank God you went with the donut from that movie. I wasn't sure what your food tie-in was going to be. I was afraid you were going to go with the, the fact that he ate a bullet. <laughs> oh man that would be dark dark that's dark poking like a true grateful dead fan <laughs> mark says some shit sometimes he's like the biggest liberal that i know but like some of the stuff he says sometimes i'm like what yeah. that come out of your mouth i'm sure mark does well in southern virginia <laughs> <laughs> i actually that's why i rewatched it i wanted to rewatch it. i knew the donut scene but I wanted to see if there was any MREs because you guys on your show, yeah. you, you eat the rations and stuff. So I was like, maybe yeah. there's a scene in here. And if you guys ever get the chance and you find an old one, 
every rat fucked box of MREs. Is Old Smokey, was he in the military? Uh, no, but he's like obsessed with military culture. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he probably knows what a rat fucked box means. It means yeah. just like somebody picked through, like took all the good shit, threw all the garbage back in the box. Right. So every time you'd get an MRE box, the worst one that was always in there was Country Captain Chicken. Mm. Country Captain Chicken. All right. I'll ask him about it. If, yeah. If you ever come across that, pick that one up. Got it. Love so, it. Sounds appetizing. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> Full metal jacket, though. All right. Well, I'll go next for the movies round. So for my movie selection, the movie that I'm bringing for this food fight battle here, it was nominated in one best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, and best writing all in 1975. This film was released November 19th, 1975, directed by Milos Forman and stars the iconic Jack Nicholson. Of course I am talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, one of the greatest films of all time. But you're probably wondering, what the hell is the food tie-in with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Well, if you remember the climax of the film, right before Jack Nicholson's character gets ECT treatment, he's sitting outside with the chief, and he offers him a piece of gum. And chief, for the very first time in the movie, speaks... He says, mmm, juicy fruit. That is my product, <laughs> is juicy fruit gum. Matter of fact, that wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. One of the sound technicians, the sound design guy, actually suggested that they change the line from mmm, gum to mmm, juicy fruit. Jack Nicholson said, oh yeah, do it, man. Just say juicy fruit. And it became an iconic thing. A few years later, juicy fruit starts introducing the great slogan, Juicy fruit, it's going to move you. Well, it's going to inspire you to talk, just like it did with the Chief. Now, this might be the oldest product that we talk about on this show. Juicy fruit was, of course, invented in 1893 by the Wrigley's Company, and it is a brand name that is actually recognized by 99% of all Americans. And in 2002, uh, it totaled 153 million units sold. Uh, it's just one of the all-time great American companies. And uh, their iconic flavor, Juicy Fruit, featured in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So that's what I got for the movies round. Boys, 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 boys. Hell of a round. You guys are you're hitting my heartstrings with movies. Love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Full Metal Jacket is an absolute classic. So is Soul Food. I'm not even recognizing <laughs> movie from this round. I'm still sticking with Soul Food. You know, uh, I love that story from from your boot camp. I, when people tell me story of the mili- stories of the military, I'm like, there's a reason I didn't do it because <laughs> I didn't do well with authority and I definitely wouldn't do well with running around with an 11 and a nine and a half. So, <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, the iconic nature, like we, we searched high and low for really old gum. Like I wanted like 1920s juicy fruit. I wanted, you know... I can think of, weirdly enough, like gum, I feel like has, it, it's one of those things that shapes your childhood. Like we were already talking about Big League Chew. We talked about home run gum. Yeah. I, you know, winter, what, we had a German exchange student live with us and he was obsessed with winter fresh. And I sent him home with like five cases of winter fresh gum. He liked it so much. Um, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is one of those movies, I think, where you, and so is Full Metal Jacket, don't get me wrong. But it's one of those movies where, People are like, why was Jack Nicholson famous? And I'm like, this one. This is why he was famous. That movie. Why was Stanley Kubrick famous? 
in my opinion, it's it's Full Metal Jacket. People will argue Space Odyssey 2001. They'll argue The Shining, whatever Kubrick one you want. But as far as for me and the story, when we were talking about Vision Quest, Matthew Modine's book about Full Metal Jacket is unbelievable, right? They had a whole thing. They did a, a Kubrick exhibit at LACMA about Full Metal Jacket. Um, and it was it, they did it about Kubrick, but there was one whole room about Full Metal Jacket that was just unbelievable. But it's Juicy Fruit. I got to give the points. <laughs> it's such a cool scene. It is such an iconic gum. You never like people don't ever say like, oh, my favorite gum is Juicy Fruit. But I've never heard somebody turn down a stick of Juicy Fruit. Never seen like, you want some Juicy Fruit? Of course. And there's that iconic scene in Seinfeld during the cockfighting episode to bring it back. <laughs> When Marcelino says 75 cents and he's for a pack of juicy fruit, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? So I'm giving the points to Mark. Now it's a tied three, three and one. Okay. I'm out. This is my worst performance ever. I got one fucking point. It's not your worst performance ever. You just had, it, it's honestly like Tiger Woods played Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods. Right? Well, you had soul food. I can't compete. Yeah. Who would have seen fucking buzzsaw? <laughs> Listen, everybody knows in 1997 there were movies and then there was soul food. Okay? <laughs> we get it. Vanessa and Vanessa Williams uh, saved the best for last. That was, that was kind of a banger for like a slow song. <laughs> it was. It was a banger. You, my problem though with like 90s music like that, how often do you listen to it again? Like, it was huge then. Do you listen to it again and again? I noticed that with the people on our social media. Like, if I feel like they don't listen to it as much anymore. Because when we throw things out there, they don't know what the album cover is or anything. They're like, oh, what is that bottom right one? But when it comes on the radio, you don't change the station. <laughs> you do not. So we have a tie. Okay? And I want to thank you guys for having me on. This has been a blast. You guys crush it. It's so much fun. This has been so much fun. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, dude. Loved it. Okay. This is a food-based movie trivia question. Okay. So between Mark and Drew, just hold up your finger like this if you have the answer. So it's like a buzzer kind of a situation. All right. In 1993, this underrated movie featured a homeless Christopher Lloyd eating a can of beans under a bridge. Mark. Was it Dennis the Menace? It was Dennis the Menace. Holy shit. Dennis the Menace. Wow. I am so ashamed I knew that. (laughs) Yep. Drew is frozen on me. I can't see Drew. Drew He's living. He just took off. He said, (laughs) done. Little Dennis the Menace, you know, he he replaces Mr. Wilson's teeth with chiclets gum. And I've never seen a more appetizing appetizing can of beans than Christopher Lloyd oh. underneath the bridge with Dennis the Menace Juicy. eating those beans over a fire. That was it. When you said homeless living under the bridge, the first thing that came to my head was the Fisher King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, that doesn't fit. I think that was 91 or two, though. Or another yeah. food-related band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There, were- there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Drew is still frozen. <laughs> Oh, man. Josh, thanks again. Like, before you get out of here, like, and you mentioned season two there. Is there plans for season two? Are you teasing this right now? Or, like, 
you know, uh, I weirdly enough just got a text from one of the executive producers while we were uh, on this. We just, you know, it's it's just so hard because nobody knows how to shoot a TV show right now, especially one where we travel a bunch, you know, yeah. uh, especially one where we might have to go back to New York and kind of just figuring it out as far as what they want to do. Uh, again, there's no word on a definite no or a definite yes, but I think with the passion of people that have seen it and a lot of people that have reached out to me saying they have old products that they want to send the show. I think it would be, I mean, I, I would, I mean, obviously I would love a season two. I, I, I think that goes without saying all the people that have watched it and have reached out to me have been awesome. Uh, you guys included. So I, I would, I don't want to say I'd be shocked, knock on wood, whatever, but I, I would, I would really, I would anticipate a season two. I, I mean, uh, I want one obviously, but you know, I, I would anticipate it. That would be awesome because it's a great show. If you haven't checked it out, go to History Channel, check out Eating History. The Thank one you. thing that drives me crazy, and I know this is a production side thing that you probably have no no say over. They give away your picks beforehand, like in the beginning yeah. of the episode. And my wife laughs at me because when the episodes come on, I go, ah, <laughs> and I cover the television because I like when you guys just like open the box like it's like. And I'm boxing and I'm like, oh, shit, what is that? But like a couple times, like right before the commercial comes on, they'll show what it's going to be. And I'm like, ah, I saw it. I I think that the the, a lot of people when we were first talking about it was how do we market this with, you know, like, you know, our lead in is forged in fire. Obviously, their marketing is easy. It's like, does the blade hold up for us? (laughs) It's almost like. I likened it to a Mad Men. You remember how, like, at the end of a Mad Men episode, it was just like, oh, my God, what? He did, huh? It was just, like, these really quick things of, like, our commercial may have just, should have just been, oh, my God, oh, that's incredible. This is something we'll never see again, and then we do it instead of, because I I was told, and when I was, you know, doing marketing and social media stuff for the show, I didn't want to spoil anything for anybody. So saying that we were doing certain items, I was like, you guys will love this item and stuff like that, so... It's it's difficult because we like you said I don't want to spoil it for you I want you to watch be like what is he gonna do this week that's the point yeah. just tell everybody before the show to go ah and cover it with their arm <laughs> it works it works if you got to do it you got to do it yeah because trying to fast forward it I screw it up that way because I go too far and then totally. I see your pick anyway yeah but yeah. I I love the show man if Thanks, you man. want some old Pez. It's still in the package. I'll send it to you. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I remember what I was going to ask you before you go. Yeah. A uh, big thing from all of our childhoods, obviously, uh, bubble gum from baseball packs. Yes. What does that shit taste like now? So let's say 88. Yeah. So weirdly enough, um, one of like my introductions to like some of this old stuff was a pack of, I think it was like 86 score. Me and my buddy got it from, you know, an old vintage card store. And he's like, you'll eat the gum. I was like, yeah, I will. It's just chalk. It dissolves in your mouth immediately. And it is, it is a tough taste to sit on there for a while. It, it sits in your mouth for 20, 30 minutes. But it, it, the gum just dissolves. It just breaks up and dissolves right in your mouth. Yeah. Wow. Mm, that might yeah. be something I need to do. Like, I have some sealed uh, horror packs from, like, I think they're 80, 87 or 88. But they're still sealed and they have gum. Do it. He's like, do it. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Yeah. Uh, like I always say, do it. Let the English see you. Do it. Braveheart. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Josh, for coming on and judging this episode. Tell everybody about all your other projects and where people can find you online. Yeah. Thanks, boys, for having me on. Uh, you guys can watch old, uh, you know, we've aired 10 episodes of Eating History. You can see 
all the back episodes, history.com. You can buy them on YouTube, iTunes, Hulu, uh, anywhere you kind of stream your stuff. We start airing internationally in uh, the UK and uh, Canada and I believe Australia in a couple weeks, starting in June. And then um, you guys can follow me on Josh Mc at Josh McCougar on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have a podcast called The Afternoons. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of live streams on my, uh, my YouTube channel, The Josh McCougar Show. Awesome. Oh, Thanks yeah. again, bro. Thanks a lot. It was all, it, anytime you want to come back, you're a great judge. <laughs> Even though you picked in, like I got one point. <laughs> it's all right. You have great takes. As somebody who never wins competitive argument shows, I know how hard it is. <laughs> I, do. I do. I do. Great job. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Well, a lot of fun, man. Stay safe, bro. You too. You too, guys. Thank you. All right, duelers. Well, I guess we'll end this episode right here but if you've missed an episode don't worry you can always go back on duelingdecades.com where you can subscribe to the show on itunes on spotify wherever podcasts are available so until next time duelers we're gonna bid you a peace love light and a joy have a grateful week everyone infirmary media